Welcome to the Best Boss Ever podcast. I'm your host, Christine LaPerriere, president of Leader in Motion. On this show, we're going to gossip about the best boss you ever had. We're going to hear stories about things that they did that helped you feel valued, helped you feel engaged, and really inspired you. We want to hear about the bosses that changed the way you look at everything. If you want to hear more, join me at christinelaperriere.com and sign up for our newsletter, The Whip. So we're back with the Best Boss Ever show, and I'm so excited for my guest today, Carrie Ann. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So Carrie Ann, just do a quick introduction so everybody gets to know who you are. Sure. Thank you. So I'm Carrie Ann Santaguida. I work at American Express. I'm coming up on 20 years this coming January of 2022. I've been here 20 years and just had an amazing career here in terms of advancement and opportunity. I currently lead the merchant services. I'm the head of merchant services for Canada. So the acquiring business here in Canada and just have a a really exciting job. That's great. And I'm so excited that you joined me because we had an opportunity to work together a couple of years ago as we were featuring some great female leaders in different, I think it was financial services businesses and some consumer package businesses. So it's really neat that I got a chance to interview on this topic. I'm thrilled to be here and, and we had a great time then and I'm sure we will today as well. So who is your best boss ever and why? That is such a reflective question. I have to say when you reached out and asked me if I would join you today, I really took the time to think about that because there's been, I'm fortunate, I work for an organization who just has a strong culture of amazing leaders. And if I reflect back on my best bosses, both of them are here at American Express or were here at American Express at some point in their career. And I really have to say that it's interesting. It's a reflection of what does it mean to be the best boss? And what are those traits that I look for in a leader who's been, you know, memorable to me? And really it's those that have had like an impact on my own growth and development over the course of my career. And what's really interesting about both these leaders is there's two actually that we're going to talk about. They're very different in terms of their styles But the leaders that I've learned from most over the years are those who have challenged me. And my story really starts with American Express. So I joined American Express in January of 2002. And I went off on maternity leave on September 26, 2002. So nine months after joining this company, I went off to have my first child. And I disclosed it up front to them said I was expecting when I was in the process with them. And, you know, they said to me, okay, we're investing in you long-term, not short-term, so come on board. And that was like my first experience with the company where I was like, okay, this is a special place. And that was a very authentic answer that I'd gotten from that leader in that moment in time. And, you know, you fast forward three years later, I'm about to go on maternity leave having my second child. I just won two President's Club Awards for my performance as an individual contributor over time. It moved into a leadership role. And that's when one of my best bosses ever came into the picture. And his name is Andy Pilkington. So Andy is now EVP at the TD Bank, but he's truly this person who took a chance on me. He saw the ambition in me. He opened the door for me to accelerate my career. 
And our story is an interesting one because, you know, he promoted me while I was on maternity leave for my second child. So he called me because a role became available, a director role. And he said, I think you'd be great for this. I know you've just left. You've just had your second child. And I had just had her like two or three days after I'd had her. He called to congratulate. And he said, hey, this, this happened. And we really like you to consider this role. And so he promoted me while I was on maternity leave. I went through this really quick little process. You know, suddenly I was promoted. I said to him, look, I want to be off on mat leave. And he did not ask me to come back early. He left that in my decision to make. And then while I was off on mat leave, so two kids, a three-year-old, a three-month-old, and he said to me, "Um, you know, this is your role. It's there for whenever you want to come back you go and just enjoy being a mom right now. So that was like an amazing feeling because anyone who's ever had to think about going off on maternity leave, that's a worrisome time. You're worried about so many different aspects of things. You know, and I just have to add for my American listeners, Canadian mat leave is one year. Exactly. So this isn't a six week permission. This is a year of you being away from a leadership role. A hundred percent. That's exactly right. And he was not asking me to shorten it. In the end, I did shorten it, but that was my choice. It was not something that they were asking or he was asking me to do. But, you know, another thing happened though, while I was off on mat leave, we went through a really challenging time with my husband's health and he was suddenly diagnosed with a very serious illness. When I had to make the call to Andy to let him know that this is what we were dealing with, And for me, it was about, I had made a commitment. I was going to take on a new leadership role. I was going to move into the organization from a completely different part of the business that I was in before. And it had already been announced. And then I said, okay, now I'm, I'm dealing with this. And he took the time a, to understand what I was dealing with. And then again, say to me, you do not need to worry about it. This job is here for you. When you're ready to come back, you need to go and be the strength that you need to be for your family. And fortunately, our situation from a home perspective turned out well, but it was a super trying time in our life. It stretched me as a mom, as a wife, as a leader, and it really gave me this opportunity to reflect on what was important to me. And I came back from a position of strength because of the things he said and did for me during my transition back in. One of the very first things he did for me was he said, okay, we need to put taking care of you on your development plan. So brand new leader, newly promoted, we put on my development plan, taking care of me. He said, what are the things that you're not getting to do given all of the responsibilities you have at the moment? And one of them was like working out, for example. I had to take care of myself. And he said, you know, you need to be, your family needs you to be strong. If that's really important to you, let's just work it into your calendar that you'll leave the office at three o'clock every day and you'll go work out at Good Life Fitness. And then you'll come back online when you're ready. You'll manage that. I mean, that's pretty profound when you think about a business area that's saying, put your workout schedule and taking care of you on your own development plan for work. I'm, I'm just floored over here. I absolutely, I'm just like, that is fantastic. It is. It was a fantastic moment. And, you know, I realized all these years later, 
he was really just allowing me to be my best self. And my best self was all different aspects of me. And that's where he brought out the thoughtfulness about recognizing that in the grand scheme of being, you know, having young kids and managing, you know, a very stressful situation and being there to support my husband's health, that I was the one that was being deprioritized in all of that, which makes sense in those moments. But, you know, there's so much more to Andy than just a moment like that. You know, he is a networker extraordinaire. I learned that through my career. I am an introvert. I am a learned extrovert for my job. And networking is not something that is, you know, natural to me. But the techniques and the approach that he takes to networking, I truly believe resonates with people. It's not only about for his own empowerment and his own expansion of network. It's about the, you know, the networks that he's creating and he's touching as he goes. He's a very like humorous, happy, joyful person to be around. And so he brings humor to the table, but he's also a very caring leader. And if I think about him from a networking point of view, it wasn't unusual for him to just work the entire time he was heading up to his cottage. He'd be on the phone, just calling random people, checking in on teams, checking in on projects. It wasn't formal. It was casual, but it was meaningful. And it really made a difference in someone's life in that moment. And I really think that, you know, the networking point of view of a senior leader who can get that personal with individuals, it just, it allows you to go the extra mile for a leader like that. You want to be able to be engaged and receive that call or be okay to make that call to him. Like there was always this open door policy that you were always able to, to leverage. So I think that that's pretty extraordinary as well. And you know, if I think about him from a position of what what did I really learn from him and what do I take from every single interaction that I have with members of my team today, I think it's really, he allowed me to showcase my resilience. There have been different points in my career and in my home life where resilience was really important. And we didn't actually talk about that very much in the early days of my career. And I don't mean like me with him. I mean, in general, people didn't speak about resilience as a strength, but it really truly was a strength of mine. And it was something that I continue to you know, be proud of today, but I never spoke about it as a strength. I wouldn't get into an interview situation or speaking at an event about resilience in the very early days of my career, the way I totally would now. And he said, highlight it as a strength. This is a strength of yours. You should speak about it from a a part of your whole self. And resilience is something that we look for in really successful colleagues within American Express, as an example. And I think that that's an important call out. He sort of evolved that thinking around resilience as a strength and us being comfortable talking about it. And he was doing this 20 years ago when it wasn't mainstream. Right, exactly. That's exactly it. Which must have even felt even more interesting because you're probably looking around and talking to other people in other careers and having other bosses and you're thinking, wow, mine really does. (laughs) Mine really is a best boss. That's exactly right. And, you know, he's somebody that I continue to look towards for advice over my career. There's another piece of advice he gave me after he left 
that I use in all my mentoring discussions with everyone I have the good fortune of, of mentoring or sponsoring. He said to me, each move that you make in your career should further expand your resume. Take stock of your resume, have a look at it, and is your next role going to grow and develop you? And is it going to make you more marketable internally and externally? And I think that that's really good advice. I mean, I think we think about it from a growth and development point of view, but I don't think we put it together in the holistic picture of what does our experience look like and what do we want our experience to be? And I use that to this day with everyone that I mentor. And their reaction is the same as my reaction would have been. I was at a crossroads thinking about an opportunity I thought it was kind of similar to what I was doing. And it was, it was Andy who gave me this advice. And, and as I stepped back and I thought about it, I'm like, yeah, he's, he's right. This is going to continue to expand my career. It will make me more marketable internally because of the skills I've gained and externally. And if I hadn't had that discussion with him, I probably wouldn't have taken that lateral move at that moment in time. It's really brought my career forward in a different way. So it's interesting how one conversation, one piece of advice can change the way you look at something. Especially from somebody you respect and admire who you know is there to give you good counsel for you. I have a question about Andy. Do you think he lived, you know, when I hear him asking you to take care of you, did he take care of him from a resilience perspective? Did he invest in his own health and wellness to be the leader that you needed? Yeah, I, I think he definitely did. I think it was different at, depending on the moment in time and what was happening either in the business or you know in his own personal life. But absolutely, I think he did and he still does based on my impression of it, yes. It's great to hear too, like some leaders will give really good advice and then they have a hard time living that same advice. <laughs> so I always kind of have to ask the question, you know, was he able to balance both? Absolutely. Without a doubt. I'm a big fan of Andy now. Yes. <laughs> you mentioned two leaders. I did. Yes. So that takes me to the second leader. His name is Andre Williams. He still works at American Express. He's currently the CEO of American Express National Bank and Group President of Enterprise Services. Now, I never reported directly to Henri, but what I would say is I've always worked in his organizations and I've always had to be accountable based on all the roles that I had for the market under the, you know, the different markets that he managed. And he is somebody that I have learned my entire career from and continue to this day. So the learning isn't over, but we're in the middle of a learning journey. And what I would say about him is he has shaped how I think about different aspects of my own leadership style. So he's a very principled and a very fair leader. He has conviction and he takes a very disciplined approach to how and principle-based approach to how he runs the business, how he makes decisions. And, you know, the important thing about this is that's how you stay out of hot water. With principle-based decision-making, you truly have a defendable and clear approach to how and why you made a decision. 
And, you know, I think that that is something that I continue to use today, even as soon as a few days ago, I had to think about a new structure and a new decision-making methodology. The first thing I said to the team is it's going to be principle-based. So let's collectively come together and figure out what the, what the principle-based approach would be. And that was exactly his MO. That is how he does it. And that is, you know, how I've deployed it with my team. And, you know, I think it's really important because the other thing about the way that he leads is he champions the voice at the table. So everyone has a voice at the table. And that's very much how I, you know, would lead today. But he was always very clear on who's the decision maker. And once the decision's made, we're all moving forward. So there wasn't these shades of gray that allowed you to think about, well, did we really make the decision? Is it really? No. The decision is made, whoever the decision maker was, and it wasn't always him, but whoever the decision maker was, decision made, let's move forward. And you can do that when you take this really disciplined, principle-based approach. And I think that that is something I've, I've truly respect in the way he leads. He also taught me the importance of data. I'm a salesperson by nature. I'm a relationship builder. I'm out there, you know, business development is is part of what myself, my team does, but data plays a really important role. And I'm not necessarily an individual who is a very data-driven person. I've now learned to use data as a mechanism to further the business and also to support decisions I'm making or to think about innovative decisions that I want to come across and sort of deliver within my organization. I can do that with data. And that's something that I've learned on how he uses data and how I've now transitioned that into my own style of how I bring things forward. And then the last thing I would say about him is clarity. Like he just brings clarity to each situation. He's got clear vision. He brings such clarity. So for us, as an example, in one of the lines of business I've worked for him, he always had these five areas of focus. And everyone could repeat the five areas of focus. And this is something that allows the entire organization to get behind and have clarity. So the way he communicated it just allowed us to all understand exactly where the priorities and the focus needed to be. But you always knew where you stood with him because he had such clarity. And I could have debates with him privately one-on-one. I could challenge the status quo And he would always come back with like great, you know, response on why or why not. We could continue to think about the innovation that was coming forward. And he he respected your, and he continues to respect your point of view. And he would take it away and think about it because he was open to new ideas. And, you know, often you can get in conversations with a senior leader where there's not a willingness or openness to like debate at the table. And that is something that I respect in the fact that he he very much had an open open opinion to that type of thing and would consider it. So he encouraged diversity of thought. He actually encouraged, yeah, different ideas. But then it sounds like he was a good decision maker too. Absolutely. Decisive, good decision maker. And, you know, they're very different leaders in terms of the way they approach the business, but they had common traits that have made them both successful in their own ways. They've moved up the ranks within their own organizations. But one thing that they had in common was they were both really ambitious for me. And so they both believed in me. 
They recognized my results and my contributions. And, you know, they took the time to understand my values. I'm a very values-driven person. And so in getting to know me personally and understanding my values and respecting my values, that helped sort of evolve the career perspectives that I was willing to take a chance on or that I wanted. And ultimately, in their own unique ways, they've really helped me have my own philosophy and thinking about career advancement and about the way that I mentor and interact with others. You know, this is your own unique journey, and you really need to be an active participant in it, in your own career, and you need to be the CEO of you. And ultimately, it was my experience with both of them that helped me get to the, you need to be the CEO of you and just go for it and not be afraid of your ambition. That is amazing. So in my world where you're looking at leaders and how you develop leaders, I guess we're always asking for what's the return on investment. People want to know if they invest $100,000 in their leaders, are they going to get that return on investment to the business and the metrics? And that's a very subjective, difficult thing to untangle. Could you give me a guesstimate of what the impact of these two leaders, what's the impact to the business? I'm going to give it not in dollars. I'm going to give it in legacy. I mean, the fact that they've both built businesses that have allowed them to put the building box in place for others either to step into or continue with. I think foundational is sort of how I would say there's both foundational and very specifically from an on-ray point of view, probably based on the time he's been at American Express. There's these building blocks and foundational pieces that are set that have just continued to return the investment twofold, both from an innovation point of view, I think from a a colleague point of view, like investment in talent. I think about it in customer relationships. You can't actually put a dollar figure on the ROI that comes out of that because that is really just legacy, I think, when you think about it from that point of view. And the fact that the business has grown so significantly under the leadership just speaks overall to the performance of the company. When you're in a top role with a major corporation, the ROI is just all there, but it's like human capital. It's not just about the shareholder point of view. It's about the colleague point of view, the customer point of view, deep relationships. It's significant for sure. It's always so hard to nail that down, but I love the list that you gave. This is, I guess, what my point is. It's, it's a, it impacts everything. It does. And it's culture, right? So it's, it's, it's about everything. And then that culture resonates internally and externally. And, you know, to work for leaders like that, I mean, I get up every day inspired. I, I think about it from my Andy days and, and working in on-raise organizations. Those are, those are days that like, you feel inspired. You get out of bed, you know exactly what you want to do, and you, there's a spring in your step even though you're dealing with like a one month old and a three-year-old and like critical illness in the moment, but you, you still rise to the occasion. And it's because there's this belief in you and that's, that's culture. That's caring. That's like the power of connection. Well, and one thing that would have had to happen when you had all that support from let's use Andy in the example is that you wouldn't have been leading out of fear of losing your job 
during that time. You wouldn't have been leading thinking to myself, oh my gosh, you know, all these things are going on. I bet everybody thinks I'm not performing. Like all, because I, I mean, obviously I've worked with clients who are in that headspace when there's so much going on at home. They're just fearful of what everybody thinks, which isn't a good leadership mindset. Absolutely not. No. And I didn't have that at all. I had like support and encouragement. I basically had anything I needed to be able to make me successful, whether it was a day off (laughs) to be able to go deal with something, whether it was permission to not attend a meeting because I needed to be in a different appointment. It was as long as you're not taking that to the extreme of abusing it, you you've earned the ability to do that. And your performance speaks for itself, right? So it's really about whole self. Like if you bring your whole self to work, there are different times when your whole self is performing at a higher level than your whole self is on another day. And that is, you know, organizations that recognize this about individuals and really embrace it, I think get a stronger ROI in general from their investment in that colleague. Well, and then they have you from now, how many years again? It'll be 20 years in January of 2022. Yeah. Right. If you're feeling supported like that, I mean, it's obviously a wonderful retention. Right. I'm still here. Exactly. (laughs) And all (laughs) that legacy knowledge and all that information that you hold about the business, you know, they, they get to continue to enjoy that as well. Kind of just for comparison, when you think of, you know, when it hasn't worked as well as it has with Andy and Andre, what does it look like? That's an interesting question as well. And I thought about that as well, I have to say, because I think you do an inventory of all your experience. And it's not to say that I didn't learn from the worst boss ever. It's just that when it came down to the core of it, and I, you know, was doing this reflective exercise as I was always thinking about coming in to have this conversation with you. I think I mentioned earlier, I'm a values-driven person. I really realized that the individual I was working for was different than I was in terms of our values. And because our values and what we put at the forefront of our values was different, doesn't mean it was wrong. It was just different than how I was perceiving my values. They were mismatched. It didn't feel good. It didn't feel aligned. It always felt like it was a bit of an uphill battle and climb to really get on the same page. And that just made it more difficult. We still had a successful relationship. It's just the individual didn't take the time to get to know me, understand my values. And, you know, that's two-way street. So I probably had a role to play in that. But the just the leadership philosophy and the approach was different. And it just didn't align with my own approach. You know, I'm a customer-first driven person. I work for a customer-oriented organization. And when that individual's just got a different philosophy, it doesn't feel good. And there's this conflict that happens. And what was the philosophy that you observed in that other leader? If I think about it right down to the core, it was an ambitious me first sort of attitude. That is not who I am. So I think about the whole, I don't think about the me in in that situation. When the leadership was happening with a me first, it just felt like everything else was an afterthought. And because of that moment, you know, in, in that approach, it doesn't feel good. 
you don't feel inspired and motivated to jump out of bed every day. You know, you collectively want to always do the right thing. But, you know, there are moments of reflection in there where I was like really close to saying this isn't working. I think I need to I need to move on. And that's not a fun place to be in. But you know when it's not working. And for me, the value piece and the me first piece just didn't work for me from a leadership style point of view. And that's that's exactly the point too, where so when you're working for someone with you know such conflicting values, they're not getting the best work out of you. So, you know, if you're in the back of your head debating over whether or not you still belong, you know, we just have to be honest, your performance is not the same as it is under an Andy where he's saying, doesn't matter what's happening, you're safe. I got your back. So that's the thing about performance is that you can have extremely high performing people who perform at different levels under different leaders. A hundred percent. Yes. It's just a great example to, you know, to kind of compare to these two great leaders that you worked with. So I would love to know, just as we bring this to close, what is the, you know, I work with a lot of leaders who are early in their career and they're aspiring to be a best boss one day. What are the words of wisdom that you would share with them? Ooh, that's a good question. Words of wisdom. Okay. I think the first thing is manage your career with intent. So I think that if you have aspirations to be a boss, you should manage your career with intent. I think that you should understand the power of connection and really make sure that you leverage the connections. And, you know, that sort of then springboards me into the power of networking. I think I mentioned not my, not my favorite thing to do but such an important thing to do. Because if you think about it as being a boss, the more networked you are, either internally or externally, you can open doors, you can remove roadblocks for your team, your team can learn from the relationships, you can introduce your teams to those relationships. I think it's just really important that you continue to think about what that means for yourself and for your broader team. And then I think about the principle-based approach. I think if you are in a situation where you need to be making decisions or you need to be able to articulate strategies and the decisions you've made against them, if you take a principle-based approach and make it consistent across all the decisions you're making that relate to that strategy or to that subject, you're going to ensure that you're passing on a skill set to your colleagues and to your teams that they continue to evolve in their own decision-making. And then the last thing is just be the CEO of you because no one else is going to do that. You are the CEO of you. I've said it to both my children. You're the CEO of you. You really have to think about what that means as you evolve your careers and you start thinking about what you want from an education point of view or you know whatever that is, how you continue to grow and learn. And I talk about this all the time with people that I mentor. It's really important to have clarity, set goals, think about it for yourself, but be the CEO of you. I love it. That's fantastic. Now, I am going to ask you one more question just because I wanted to probe. I heard you mention mentoring. Any tips for those of us who are out there attempting to help mentor and really support future talent? Yeah. I mean, the first tip I would have is just do as much of it as you can, because what I find is I get as much out of it 
as the mentee is getting from the relationship with me. It's a two-way street. There's no which way I would speak about it differently. It's a two-way street. I always learn from every single person I'm in a mentoring relationship with, and there's just such good growth. It's about carving out time to do it. It's not going to come naturally. Like You literally have to be very disciplined about it. And you have to just set the time, in my case, in my calendar for it. And I don't mentor just people within my organization. I'm also mentoring outside of my organization. And I think that that's really important because the learnings you get or the talent you meet, well, it's not self-serving. The intent isn't to bring them into American Express. At some point, they have career aspirations that I can open a door either through my network or through my own organization. And I just, I think it's so important to give back. And I think you just have to make the time for it. How do I do it? I do it through organizations, you know, like Women of Influence or whatever organization I'm part of. You meet people and then suddenly there's a connection and you build off that connection and you get into a mentoring relationship. So sometimes it's formal and sometimes it's like impromptu and you've met someone at an event and it turns into a you know, a lunch that turns into a more regular touch base of a mentoring type relationship. So I highly encourage people to give back because I think it's really important. That's amazing. Well, Carrie Ann, this has been amazing. I know already that I have lots of listeners who are going to love hearing your story today and especially hearing about these two best bosses. They were great examples. So thank you so much. If you want to hear more, join me at christinelaperriere.com and sign up for our newsletter, The Whip.